When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson. This episode is brought to you by Live Casino, as always. And kind of a strange episode today. I, I'll i be honest, I've been doing five days a week podcasts. Sometimes I don't have a lot of content, and I really want to get into Combine stuff with you guys, too. I'll be traveling to Indy on Monday. Um, but what I do is I just have this running Word document where I just cut and paste little things I want to talk to you guys about, you know, and it's starting to kind of fill up. And so this is going to be a hodgepodge of things that I've clipped from the internet or conversations to have with you guys, none of which is a whole podcast in its own, but they're just kind of thrown together. I want to clean this slate, get these things off my Word document so I can start focusing on some bigger topics for you guys. And as always, send me a note at Williamson NFL or comment on any of my uh, uh, articles. There's a new one up today talking about draft situations um, and some great comments there. You guys seem to be enjoying it. But one thing many of you have asked me, and I hesitate to do it, is Matt, what are your thoughts on new linebacker coach Aaron Curry? Well, <laughs> I, I've probably told you this before, that now that I've been in the media over 20 years doing NFL stuff to some capacity, ESPN, Steelers.com, whatever. The things that I hate, I hate to comment on are injuries and assistant coaches, to be honest with you. Injuries, frankly, because I'm reading the same clips you guys are, and I didn't go to med school. I have a great friend who's a doctor. I saw what he went through going through med school. Why would I pretend to know anything about hamstrings or ACLs Besides what I read on the internet, this guy's day-to-day, this guy, you know, whatever. Not to mention, I've been in buildings where every day you have a staff meeting, and I sat there in those staff meetings, and the team doctor, the team physician, you know, the trainers all sit there to tell you exactly their thoughts on, this guy doesn't want to give it a try, his knee's weak, or he's not willing to try it, or boy, he's trying to run through a wall and has no business being out there. So behind the scenes, you have a great appreciation for the doctors. Same is true for the assistant coaches. When I'm outside the building, which I've been outside a building now for 20-some years or whatever, but I realize I don't know because I've been inside the building. And you sit there inside the building, and you're like, man, our running back coach is really important. And nobody outside the head coach and the offensive staff and the people here know how good he is or what he does during the week or how he brings young recruits along or what a great recruiter he was or, man, why is that guy hired? If he wasn't coaching our tight ends right now, I don't think I'd you know hire him to mow my lawn. You know, like I, I, I've seen very, very good assistant coaches, very bad assistant coaches, in my opinion, that, you know, I just didn't see their value, you know. So as an outsider, I know I don't know. So I'm going to give you everything I got on Aaron Curry, which is very, very little. Um, they needed a linebacker coach and he was considered 
Here's what I know about Aaron Curry. I mean, really, his claim to fame is not promising, and it doesn't mean at all he's a bad coach or anything along those lines. But I've been a draft nick my whole life. I was seven years old reading Mel Kuyper's Blue Book, you know, cover to cover. And my whole life, again, I'm almost 50 years old, (laughs) there are several prospects, and this is the leader in the clubhouse, Aaron Curry, as a prospect coming out of Wake Forest. Again, this is a long time ago. The write-up on this guy is, this is the safest player in the draft. He has zero bust potential. He does everything well. He's smart. He's a hard worker. He has size. He has speed. He has everything you want. He's productive, blah, 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 blah. He can't miss. Safe pick. He's a leadoff double all day long. Seahawks used the what? Third or fourth pick in the draft for him. And he stinks. <laughs> and he was as big a bust in the top five about as you'll find. And his claim to fame was he's as safe as they can be. And it wasn't because he, you know, ruptured a knee, a Kajana Carter move or anything like that. He just wasn't good at the game. So that's what I know most about this player, which isn't a ringing endorsement that he's going to come in and turn Mark Robinson into the best linebacker in the league. But coaching and playing is very, very different. And as a prospect, as I kind of alluded to, came out of Wake Forest, a very good school. He was considered an extremely hard worker, very, very smart. So maybe he's a great coach. Maybe he's an up-and-comer. I mean, I trust Tomlin to hire the right people in this capacity, but he's got a very limited coaching background, and that's what I know of him as a player. So sorry, but that's what I got for you, and I thought I could give you some insight on – you know, why I don't address assistant coaches all that much. And what's even worse is, oh, the Titans just hired this new GM from the Niners who was an assistant GM or area scout or director of pro scouting. What do you think of him, Matt? Well, I go to Wikipedia just like all you and say, well, I know nothing about the human being. I've never met him. I He has a track record of blah, 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 blah. Great. Is that something that we want to build on? I have no idea. Is he a good evaluator? He never was in charge. I have no clue. So most people, unless they've met them or really have inside sources that tell you this was a good hire or not, are probably making things up, to be honest with you. So I wanted to make that clear. A couple other nuggets from around the internet here when we return. Be back in a moment. Time for a quick water break. So, Pro Football Focus, who I often reference here, because they pump out a lot of content and they have a lot of stuff that you can dig through, some of which I take with a grain of salt, some of which I think is very important. And I go to their site every day. There's about 10 sites out there I go to every day. And sometimes there's good stuff, sometimes there isn't. A lot of times it just starts conversations with you guys, which is great. So, they put out a ranking earlier this week of... What interior defensive linemen had the best years this past season? Who were the best interior D linemen in the league this past year? And this has always belonged to Aaron Donald, (laughs) of course. I mean, he's an all-time great, but this wasn't his best year and he missed a lot of time. Donald is not number one. This conversation is always, who had the second best year at defensive tackle, basically for the last 10 years running? 
Well, this year, by their grades, Chris Jones of the Chiefs, Dexter Lawrence of the Giants, both graded out as a 92. Um, they put they ranked Jones number one because he played a few more snaps than Lawrence. So basically, it was a tie at number one. And I have no qualms with that at all. Chris Jones is a special player. He is a wrecking machine. He is possibly the second most important chief, and he had his best year. He can win any way you want. I am enthralled. I am really smitten with Dexter Lawrence as well. People look at him and like, boy, that's a nose. And he looks like a nose. He's 340 pounds, but he plays a ridiculous number of snaps, all situations, took a huge step forward. He is a great one too. So there's some really impressive young defensive tackles in this league including the third guy on this list from the same draft class, Quinn and Williams from the Jets. Those two dudes took big steps forward as they're progressing. So I have no problem with that. Then then Donald comes in at four. Um, <laughs> and here's their first sentence about Donald. For the first time since 2015, Donald did not finish with the highest overall grade at his position. First time since 2015, because he missed a lot of time. He still was over a 90 grade, though, for these guys. Donald's still great. If that's a down year for him, so be it. He was injured for much of it. But why am I talking about D-tackles? Well, Cam Hayward came in fifth. And I'll be honest, if you guys listened to my early season podcast during the year, I was a little worried about Cam Hayward about a month into the season. Not that he was bad, but I thought maybe he's not quite the same. But boy, was he... Phenomenal. The set, really the last, I'd have to look at the chart, but like certainly the second half of the season, but probably even deeper into that, the, you know, the last 10 games or so, I thought he was as good as ever. And I was happy to see the pro football focus agreed with me. And here's what they said about him. Hayward wraps up his 12th NFL season with another year of elite production and grades across the board. The 33-year-old played over 800 defensive snaps for the fifth straight season and posted top five marks in run defense, total pressures, and wins above replacement. 58 total pressures is an awful lot for a guy that gets as much attention as he does, especially with Watt out of the equation. 33-year-old, he's kind of like Wolverine. I mean, he just keeps coming and coming and coming. And words like elite production, I don't throw around much, but I think he absolutely was elite pocket pushing, run defense, lines up on the nose at times, lines up all over the interior. Someday he's going to slow down, and I was worried earlier in the year that that day had come, but it hasn't, and I expect him to still be a foundational player for a long time. And Well, not about a long time, but at least for next year. Not to mention his value to the team as a leader is frankly immense. I mean, he is a Joe Green-like leader. I mean, if you're around this team, you immediately understand his value, the respect, you know, the the standard is the standard. Uh, I mean, Hayward is the biggest stick on the team. I mean, he's the guy that patrols the locker room more than any other, you know, Pouncey and DeCastro and those guys are gone. It is Cam's team. Ben is gone, of course. It is Cam's team, and he has immense value. And we'll have to, you know, hand that baton down. But for now, there is no denying who he is. And to be honest, I wanted to talk about this weeks ago. I was a little disheartened that he didn't win the Walter Payton Man of the Year. 
Um, he'll have another year or two, I bet, to put his hat in the ring. And it usually goes to older dudes like Whitworth won it two years ago. So I was a little shocked that Dak Prescott won it. But I think Cam Hayward is very, very deserving for all aspects of that. And maybe next year he gets one. I'd be unhappy if he doesn't get one before he retires. So the last little nugget that I found on the internet too, I am a big fan of Nate Tice's work. Um, his father was the head coach of the Vikings. He was Russell Wilson's backup for the Wisconsin Badgers. Now he's in the media and does a very, very good job. Very tape driven. And he went through at every position and picked who was his most improved player at each position. You know, who's who's his quarterback from last year that improved the most over the course of the season. And his edge rusher was Alex Highsmith. And couldn't agree more. And I I was never worried about Highsmith, but I always thought he was always going to be Robin to, you know, Watt's Batman. And he's never going to be Watt. But his standalone value this year to me was very telling. And now you have to lock him up soon, in my opinion. And here's what Nate said about Highsmith. And he doesn't talk enough in detail about what Highsmith did, but I agree with everything he said here. Life, death, and the Steelers having an edge player with double-digit sacks. These These are absolutes. Even in the case of the last certainty after a season that saw reigning defensive player of the year, TJ Watt, miss a chunk of time. Highsmith stepped into the void and improved upon a strong 2021 showing. 35 pressures, 14 QB hits, and six sacks by recording 14 and a half sacks in 2022, along with 55 pressures and 20 QB hits. So he had six more QB hits. He had eight and a half more sacks, 20 more pressures than a year ago. In 2021, he was quite good. 2022, he was really good. He was a problem for offenses on a weekly basis, even when the focus shifted his way with Watt out. A healthy Watt and Highsmith in 2023, plus the ageless Cam Hayward, as we talked about a minute ago, in the middle should be a real handful for every offense they face in 2023. So, we Steeler fans, as much as any fan base I've ever seen, focuses on their team more than they do the league as a whole or where their players rank on kind of a national level. So that's kind of what I wanted to do there in terms of where does Hayward stack up against the others, you know, elite defensive tackles. And Highsmith as a breakout candidate wasn't just, oh, he looked good this year. I mean, no, he's getting national attention as he should. And he is a legitimate star might be a big word, but plus plus starter. So good stuff for the defensive front seven there. Uh, More work to be done there. It'll be fun. And I'll be back with one more podcast tomorrow. See you later.